I enjoy books. I enjoy reading. Uh, all kinds of books, all sorts of different books. Uh, I have done ever since I was little. I've always enjoyed reading. Um, and now I, I'm grateful to be a pastor because that means I have a good excuse for reading. Uh, at home, uh, in my study, I have lots of books, more than I've read so far, um, but I'm grateful that I've got them. One of the requirements of my job is to do lots of reading, lots of reading by lots of different authors. Uh, my wife, Esther, likes reading. She also has a good number of books, and she always has enjoyed reading. We're grateful for different writers down through the generations who give us food as we read. I have four children and they all like reading. Um, when we moved house three and a half years ago, we brought an awful lot of books with us. We love reading. Um, the removal men didn't love us. Not with the books that they had to move, not with the boxes uh, that they had to move, but we brought a lot of books with us. But did you notice what John wrote right at the end of his gospel here? When he uh, was writing and recording for people what Jesus had done, he finished his gospel with these words. Now there were also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Now, we might think that John here, the, the beloved disciple, is, is exaggerating, indulging in hyperbole, taking, taking it beyond reality. But that's not John's nature. Now, John's nature isn't to, to exaggerate, isn't to go over the top. He's careful, he's thorough. Uh, but here he writes, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Was everything that Jesus ever did written down, the world could not contain the books that had the records of everything. Um, John, earlier on in his gospel, alludes to the fact that he hasn't written everything that Jesus did. He didn't record all that Jesus did. The truth is, it wouldn't be possible for anybody to ever record all that Jesus did. Much as I like books, much as I like reading, I could never read all the books that contain everything that Jesus has ever done. But what we're going to do tonight, before we come to prayer, is that we're going to take a step back and reflect on the Lord Jesus. And just launching from this verse, which points us to all the things that Jesus did, we're going to consider some of those things and remind ourselves of the one who we come to prayer before tonight. So what did Jesus do? Well, if we take what John wrote here in its widest possible meaning, um, there are many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. If we take that to its widest possible meaning, the first place to look is in the prologue to John's Gospel. The first few verses of John's Gospel. We've just read the end of the Gospel. We look at the beginning of the Gospel. John starts, famous words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made 
through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the beginning was the word. All things were made through him. Who is that him? It is, of course, the Lord Jesus. It's Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. The Word, the eternal Word, there in the beginning, everything was made through him. We compare that, of course, with um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Jesus, Son of God, was acting, was working even there, even at creation, even as this world that we have around us was being brought into being, Jesus was working. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we see it there as we combine those two um, sections from John's Gospel in Genesis. We see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the full Trinity, at work in creation So Jesus was working then. In fact, as you read elsewhere in the Gospels, we see that Jesus was working even before then, before the foundations of the world. We have reference to Jesus working, acting. But we move on from there. As we go through the Bible narrative, uh, you may be aware of what we call theophanies. Appearances of the Son of God before the Incarnation, before the Gospels. Appearances of of one described as a Son of Man. One described in, in so many different ways, but Jesus... Uh, in our church, uh, Ebenezer in Neath Abbey, we recently made our way through the book of Daniel. Uh, and in the book of Daniel, an Old Testament prophet, there are at least two appearances of the Lord Jesus. Uh, one, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, those three friends of Daniel's, when they're thrown into the fiery furnace and there's one there with them, a fourth person appears in the fire with them. It's Jesus. Jesus there walking through the fire with those men under trial. But I wonder how many other appearances there are of the Lord Jesus that aren't recorded in scriptures that took place between creation, between his incarnation. How many times? There are certainly a few recorded uh, as you go through the Old Testament, but were there more? More that people didn't recognize, more that people didn't understand. We don't know, they're not recorded. But from creation to his incarnation, his birth, there are appearances of the Lord Jesus. He was working all the time, all the way through. But then, of course, we come into the New Testament and we come to uh, those passages that we know so well from Christmas. uh, Those passages that point us to the contraction of the Son of God to a human body to a human baby's body. And we read verses like these that um, Paul wrote when he wrote to the church in Philippi. This is Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. When we read those narratives from the, the, the Christmas stories, when we read uh, the beginning of uh, Matthew, the beginning of Luke, uh, and we read of the events that took place when the Son of God was born as a man, when he came in flesh, we see how all those prophecies that had been penned through the Old Testament, how they come together. And, and the truth was revealed in advance but we see there in the pages of the Gospels how uh, the truth, how God's plan uh, came to fruition. Son of God, born in human flesh, but born for a purpose, uh, as we'll see as we go on. We don't see much of the Lord Jesus' childhood. Just get a snapshot of him uh, there in the temple uh, in in his late childhood, with the teachers, asking questions, answering questions. But then really it's when he becomes a man that we see much more. Three years of um, ministry, uh, contracted really into just a few pages in the, in the Gospels, in effect. Um, most of the Gospels have a greater focus, don't they, on the last week of Jesus' life uh, than on the previous 30 years. But what do we see in Jesus' ministry? What are the different things that we see him doing? Well, we see him teaching. Uh, if you ask anybody what they think of Jesus, what, what he did, probably one of the things they'll say is that he was a teacher. And there are so many references uh, to Jesus' teaching. Um, Jesus taught, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, he taught on a mountain. Uh, sorry, chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Uh, Jesus taught in the synagogue, Matthew 13, 53. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished. Um, Mark 12.35 tells us that Jesus taught in the temple. Luke chapter 5 tells us how Jesus taught from a boat. Didn't matter where he was, didn't matter who was in front of him, Jesus was going to teach. When he taught from the boat, it was because there were so many people there wanting to hear him that he stood in the boat and set out a little way from the water and then sat down and taught them from there. Again, on the mountains, it was because crowds had gathered around him. But at other times, it was because he wanted to be somewhere quiet and just speak to a few people. But he went to the synagogues and he went to the temples to teach. Early in the morning, he taught. He taught, he taught, he taught. And we have his teachings recorded for us to learn from, for us to follow, for us to seek to understand and obey. So Jesus taught. He also performed miracles. Again, if you ask people what they knew about Jesus, no doubt they would probably say 
he performed miracles. But in so many ways, his miracles were another form of teaching. Either the miracle itself was making the point, or the miracle was being used to back up the things that Jesus taught. And in each of those different uh, miracles, uh, we see different power uh, at play, different power uh, from the Lord Jesus. Uh, Between us, I'm sure we could probably name a lot of the miracles that we see in the Gospels. But there are are plenty, aren't there? Um, We could think of probably one of the most famous, the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus was um, on the uh, the mountainside and the large crowd came to him, and he'd been teaching them and teaching them and teaching them, and the disciples came and said, send them away, Lord. They need to go and buy themselves food. And Jesus said to his disciples, well, why don't you feed them? His disciples looked at one another and said, well, what are we supposed to do? They came to Jesus with one little boy's packed lunch and said, we've got this. And Jesus said, okay, that'll do. And proceeded to feed 5,000 men plus women and children from that one packed lunch. Jesus had power over creation. Uh, He can turn a few loaves and a few small fish into lunch for all those people. And the most telling thing from that passage is that we read the people had eaten and were satisfied. They'd all eaten and they were satisfied. And this all from the power of Jesus, the power that he had over creation. Uh, Of course, we can also think about how Jesus calmed the storm. Uh, how um, Jesus walked on the water, showing the power, the power of God, the power that was at work in him. But it's not only power over creation that Jesus had. Jesus had power over evil spirits. Uh, Luke chapter 9 tells us of um, a, a man who came out from the crowd and said to Jesus, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son. He is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and it shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Now this comes just after Jesus had been up on the mountain with his three closest disciples when he was transfigured, when he was transformed, when he he was brighter than they had ever seen before those three disciples. And he comes down from the mountaintop, down to find a crowd and the nine other disciples able to help this man. And Jesus, with a word, rebukes the unclean spirit, heals the boy and gives him back to his father. Jesus had power over unclean spirits. We see that again and again through the Gospels as he commands them to come out. Jesus also had power over sickness. Um, So many portions of of Scripture that we could go to to show the power over sickness that that Jesus had. Um, How about the... Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the invalid who'd been by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, wanting to be healed, wanting to be put into the waters of the pool so that he could be healed, but unable to get there himself, 
unable to do anything for himself. Jesus came to him. This is in John chapter 5. Jesus came to him and said, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. At once the man was healed. He took up his bed and he walked, just as Jesus told him to. Jesus has power over sickness. And you'll notice each time I say Jesus has power. Jesus has power. It's not that he had. Jesus has power over sickness, over evil spirits, even over creation. Jesus also has power over sin. Luke writes in Luke chapter 7 of an occasion when Jesus went to a Pharisee's house. Went to the Pharisees for a meal. The Pharisees had asked him to come and eat and and Jesus was sitting there uh, eating uh, with the the Pharisees and a woman of the city, a sinner, uh, came in. She saw that Jesus was there. She brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. The Pharisee, of course, says, don't you know who this woman is? Don't you know who she is? How can you let her do this? Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. At the table with him began to say, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. The Pharisees wouldn't touch her. The Pharisees wouldn't go near her. Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And she goes, forgiven, cleansed, healed, restored by Jesus. But Jesus, of course, has power over death as well. There's the story, uh, the events uh, of his friend Lazarus. John chapter 11 tells us of of this man Lazarus, the uh, brother of Mary and Martha, uh, the man who died. Jesus, of course, had a message saying he's he's sick. Come. But Jesus said, well, wait. Wait for a few days. By the time they got there, Lazarus was dead. But Jesus, John 11 verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. From the tomb. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour, for he's been dead four days. It will smell in that tomb. Do not have that stone taken away. But Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The man who is dead, called back to life by the Lord Jesus Christ. Restored. But what about the ones that weren't written down? 
What other miracles, what other events, what other teachings did Jesus do that aren't recorded for us? They didn't make the final uh, editing of the Gospels. Of, of course, each of the different Gospel writers have recorded and put together different events to, to show the points that they were making. John uh, chapter 20, verse 30 tells us, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We finish by going back to that verse from Philippians chapter 2 that I read earlier on, uh, where uh, Paul, Philippians 2 verse 8, wrote, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what did Jesus do? He died. He died. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He came. The Son of God came to live as a man. He came to die for the sake of humanity. Fully God and fully man, in a way that is just so hard for us to understand, beyond our understanding really, but fully God and fully man, he came to give his life so that we might live. He came to give his life so that we might have life. He came to bear the punishment for sin so that we could go free. He came to suffer. so that we wouldn't have to face the wrath of God. That's what Jesus did. He raised his friend Lazarus from death. He raised his friend Lazarus back to life. And sometime later, the Lord Jesus himself was raised back to life. The difference, of course, was that Lazarus would go on to die again. But Jesus was raised to life to die no more. He was raised to usher in that new era in history. That new era, that era that we live in now, when all who know and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will know forgiveness, will know peace, will know joy, will know hope. All who trust in him will know all of those things. But Jesus' work isn't over yet. Jesus is still working. Right now, Jesus is working. This is what we read in Romans 8.34. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So even now, Jesus is in glory, but his work is not done. He's interceding for us. Those sins that we commit, those wrongs that we do day by day, as we confess them, it's as though Jesus were there pleading our case, pleading our cause before God the Father. 
as we confess them, we know we can be forgiven because Jesus is there interceding for us. But as we've seen, he's doing, has done, will do much more than we could ever record, ever write down, ever talk about. He has done more. We've covered a lot of ground tonight, but there's a lot more we could have looked at. There's a lot more we could have thought about, and it's all about Jesus. It's all about the Christ. It's all about the Son of God. And so with this in mind, as we come to prayer in a moment, we've just been reminded of the one that we pray to, the one who we pray through. We've been reminded of the Lord Jesus. We've been reminded of all that he has done and all that he continues to do. As the Son of God, he has always and he continues to work, to minister in so many different ways. And as we come to prayer, remember, he is the one who has all power. He is the one who has all authority. He has power of creation. He has power over creation. He has power over sin. He has power over death. And he is the one who knows us. Each one of us, he knows us. Inside and out. He knows what we need as well as what we want. He, as I say, is the one who intercedes before the Father, before the Father for us, pleading for us day by day by day. He's the one who knows our world, what our world needs as well as what our world wants. He's the one who knows what's best. And so, as we come to pray, as we pray for each other, as we pray for the world, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the one who has all power, all authority, and the one who we can have full confidence and full trust in always.